I got to see some hands. I have not been here in 10 years. Um, I've never been on this stage as an adult. Um, you know, when I was a freshman in high school, uh, I showed interest in being a youth pastor. And uh, on Easter service, they asked if we could do a student-led worship. And so I was up here, and I was leading it for some crazy reason. I don't know. But I didn't know how to write a message. I had no idea what I was doing. And so my mom wrote it for me. Um, that is very true. But I, we had this huge pulpit that was like wood. Does anybody remember that? Like the big one, it wasn't this glass one. And I'm glad it was there because my legs were going crazy. And I just was reading it word for word as it go down. And I remember, I got to look up sometimes. So I'd look right up at my mom who was sitting there and she'd be like, you're doing so good. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. And so like I would just do that over and over again. So hopefully I've grown up over the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, but like what Dave said, I'm Brian. Um, majority of you know uh, in here know me as BJ. Uh, I grew up in this church. I uh, married a beautiful woman. My wife, Sarah, she was up there, I'm sure, at some point. Or you guys have seen her. Yeah, there she is. Um, we've been married for four years. Met at Cornerstone. She works at Bethany Christian Services. You can read in the bulletin what she does because it, yeah, it's very complicated and I don't even fully understand. Um, I work for Coke, so if there's any Pepsi drinkers, I'm sorry. It's hard to get along. Um, but, uh, so, I just have to start off and say this. Thank you. You know, thank you so much for you guys. I, I don't think I've had the, the, the wisdom over the years when I was younger to actually say thank you. Um, you know, I grew up in this church and I'm here today because of you. You know, I was that kid that would run around church doing all these crazy things, and I would break things. I'm sure I've broken more lights than anybody in the history of this church with a ball, and, you know, it just caused so much chaos, and um, you guys had grace. You guys showed grace. You guys loved me, and, you know, as, 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 I, as I remember through junior high, I had so, so many people that invested in me. I had all my small group leaders. I had all the people that would, that would care for me. When I had surgeries, people would come over and, and you know, hang out and, and talk to me while I was in a chair or in the hospital. I had Pastor Don Jackson as my youth pastor for my entire career, or my entire life as a student. And then everybody knows that Pastor Spencer was probably the greatest man that has ever walked this earth. I, I, I was talking to Sarah, and you know, she asked, like, if you could see one person here today, who would it be? And I said, it would be the greatest honor to speak in front of Pastor Spencer. Um, you know, he mentored me as a kid through junior high, early high school. He'd take me out to Steak and Shake, and we'd split a fresco melt and some fries, and we'd get a shake, and we'd just talk about life. Um, so I just have to say thank you. Thank you to everybody here for, for raising me and helping me become the man I am today. And the reason that I'm up here is because you guys did that. You guys followed what God has called us to do by going out in showing somebody love, by going out, listening to what God has to say to you and say, I want to show BJ what this world is full of Christ. And so I'm here, and, and I get the opportunity to do that now. As I was a youth pastor for a couple years, and as I still volunteer in the youth group, you know, I'm able to do what you guys did for me. So we're going to be talking about listening and doing today, but first, can we just kind of rewind for the past three years, right? You know, the world is hurting. The world is broken. And we could go back in history and see all, all the things that this world has is, is been down and, and out and the wars and everything that's going on. But let's just pause and just look at the last three years. You know, we've had COVID, right? COVID has been so hard on us. 
You know, there's been family and friends and loved ones who have passed away from that. And if that's you, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. You know, it's been financial burden on a lot of us. You know, job insecurities. Like, that's been so hard. And then, and then we, in the beginning of COVID, you know, then we had this presidential election. In this presidential election, we had one side that absolutely could not stand the other side, and then the other side not be able to stand the other side. It, there was just so much tension in America during the time where we were electing a new president, and we just didn't like the other person. You know, I know some people that actually don't like their friends now because they were on the other side of the political spectrum. Like, we just don't like people. We just don't. And then we go, and, and we see, we see the, um, the racial injustices, the, the, the um, political injustices. We just see so many injustices in this world where we tear each other apart. And we're not united. We're not together. And that, that's hard. Because right now, our world needs us to be so united to where we can go out into the world and show who Jesus is. Because I'm telling you, right now, this world needs us. This world needs every single one of you. Not to sit in this pew anymore, but to go out and to show who Jesus is. You guys did it for me. Go do it for someone else. So we're going to read. Um, we are going to read James 1, 19 through 27. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law and gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, their religion is worthless." Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after widows or orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So God, we just thank you. Um, Lord, I thank you so much for bringing me back here and uh, being able to speak life and um, love into this congregation, into this church. Uh, Lord, I just pray, God, that uh, your spirit will work through me. Lord, it will not be me speaking, but it will be you. Um, God, I just pray for the church here, that their hearts will be softened and that their ears will be open, willing to hear what you have to say to them. God, it's not me speaking, it's you speaking, so let it impact their life. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In your name, amen. All right, so we're going to get into this. So this, this passage that I just read is broken up into three different categories. And what you're going to see is that the first category is, one, we must be receptive to God's word. We must be receptive to what God is telling us in his word and through his actions of how he speaks to us. The second one is we must be submissive to God's word. And then the third one, which I think is very challenging, is we must be moved by God's word. So we're going to dig into it. The first one is we must be receptive to God's word. And in that, we have some subcategories, just so you know. Um, the first one is we must have the capacity to listen. You know, we are... We are so stressed, and we are so tired, and we are so busy. I know for me, 
when I got an extremely busy week of work, I get home on a Friday night, and, you know, we have dinner, and then I'm thinking, okay, we got a lot of things to do on Saturday, and then it's like, man, we got to go to church on Sunday morning, and that's just going to take up some more time, Then I got youth group in the afternoon. Our mind is so busy of what we have going on that a lot of times we do not allow God to speak into our lives. We do not have the capacity, and we do not have the, at times, we do not have the desire to hear and to listen to what God is actually trying to tell us, whether it's through a scripture reading, whether it's through a message on Sunday morning. Some of you may not be even listening to what I'm saying because you may be so tired, or you just may be so filled with anxiety and worry about what's going on in the world, and, you know, how are we going to get from, you know, pay this bill to this bill, and, you know, we are so clouded, and we get so bogged down with the week and the world and what's going on that a lot of times we just don't have the capacity to hear what God is actually trying to say. And so we must, we must open that up. We must ask, and I don't know if you heard, but when I, when I prayed just a few minutes ago, I said, God, I pray that you'll soften their hearts, that you'll open their ears. And I say that for every prayer when I go up to speak. I say, God, would you please soften their hearts? Would you please open their ears? Because right now, this world and everything we've got going on we are so, our, our ears are so plugged and we just, we don't want to hear certain things of what God's actually trying to tell us. And so, I actually would like you guys to do that right now. Why not? Let's put it into action. Let, let's, why, why would I just say something and then just keep going on? Let's pause for a second and then say, you know, God, ask God to, to soften your heart and to open your ears for the rest of this message of what we have to say. So, I'm just going to give you like literally five seconds to just pray to God and say, God, be with me during this time. All right. The second thing that we have is uh, that, that James says is that a controlled tongue, we must have a controlled tongue. Um, you know, does anybody know what active listening is in here? Does anybody know what that means? So active listening is when, uh, for example, let's say I have two older sisters, uh, Melissa and Brittany, and uh, when we were kids, you know, I still got some scars on my arms. I'm sure they still got some hair that's missing out of their head from when we would fight. I mean, we were vicious to each other, just crazy. And uh, we'd get into these fights over, like, TV shows. Like, I want to watch Nickelodeon. They want to watch Disney. I don't want to hear princesses and frogs singing. I just don't care. I don't, I don't want that. Um, and so we would get into these fights. And so what she would do, my mom would hear and be like, all right, we're going to have a family meeting. And we'd all be like, okay, I'll, I'll watch Disney. I don't want to have a family meeting because I know we're going to get in trouble. And so we'd have to go upstairs, and we'd have to have this family meeting. And uh, my, my mom would say, all right, Brian, BJ, I want you to... I want you to say what, what you're upset about. I'd be like, all right, well, I'm upset about this and this and this. My sisters would interrupt and be like, no, that's crazy. No, that's not true. That's not true. My mom would tell them to stop and say, you know, you need to listen to what your brother is saying. And so the, the whole practice of active listening is when I speak, you're able to speak back to me of what I said. So to fully understand that we're hearing what, what the other person is saying. You know, how many times do we do this, especially in the past couple of years with everything that's been going on, you know, there's, and it's okay to disagree with certain things, but how many times have you disagreed with a political statement and disagreed with what, what's going on in this world and, you know, why we're doing certain things in this world and why the government's doing this and why is Ukraine, you know, under attack by Russia? And we don't, we don't take a second to actually listen. You know, we don't actually take a second to actually listen to what other people are trying to say to us and, and what God is actually trying to say to us. Because I'm telling you, God has spoken to me more through other people than anything else in this world. 
I have never audibly heard God, but I know that I have heard God through my wife. I know I've heard God through you guys. Are we willing to listen? Are we willing to stop talking for five minutes to hear what God actually has to say to us? So the first one was, we must have the capacity to listen. The second one is the controlled tongue. The third one is a calm demeanor. We must have a calm demeanor. James not only tells us that we need to be slow to anger, but but the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Our anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Um, You know, if we can't calm our spirits down, then it'll be very difficult to hear the word, the guidance, and the plan from God. God wants us to have a calmness where we can fully rely and trust in what he is saying to us. Um, I have failed at this many times when I have a calm, to have a calm demeanor. You know, this whole passage is talking about listening to what God has to say. We need to slow down. We need to have that calm demeanor to hear God influence our lives so that way we can go out into the world and we can change the world. When I was in high school, I played baseball, and uh, there was a, a play at the plate. I was a catcher, a play at home, and I messed up. And uh, when the inning was over, I went into the dugout and I chucked my helmet against the wall. I threw my gear down. I threw my glove down. I just started swearing. I was so mad at the situation. I don't even remember what happened. But I was so angry and so disappointed in myself that I could not control my anger. I could not control and have a calm demeanor where my first baseman came over to me. And again, this is not false. This is very true. The first baseman came over to me and said, hey, Brian, I know what you stand for. I heard what you said. And I thought you were different. I mean, holy smokes. I got goosebumps thinking about it now. I don't remember what game it was. I don't remember what the score was. I don't even remember really what the situation was, except I messed up. But the thing is, what I really remember is somebody who does not know Jesus saw that I could not have a calm demeanor in a situation, and I was freaking out about it, and he called me out. I mean, what what if we just changed that scenario? And I went back in the dugout and I said, hey guys, I'm really sorry for what I did. Like, I'll, I'll try to be better next time. You know, maybe he'd come up to me and say, hey, like, way to handle yourself right. You know, but since he challenged me and said, I know who you represent, I thought you were better. Man, that hurts. That hurts because I didn't have the calmness for God to speak into my life to say, okay, how can I actually work on this? How can I actually be better than what I'm being right now? Because we all could be better. We all could be so much better than what we are right now. And speaking of being better, we must have a clean life. We must have a clean life in order to fully hear what God is trying to say to us. You know, we are all sinners. We all are. I am. I sin, and I don't like it, and I repent. And, you know, we have communion today, and we go to God, and I say, God, forgive me for what I've done because I know of what you have done for me. But we must have a clean life. If you, if you are struggling with something, if you're struggling, I don't care what it is, if it's pornography, if it is uh, gambling, if it's an addiction to alcohol or something else, if, if, you, if you lie all the time, whatever your addiction is, whatever your sin is that, that keeps you from experiencing God fully, we got to stop that. I know that sounds so much easier than actually doing it because I have been through some of those things. You know, I've been through those where, where it's hard to stop. It's so hard to set, stop. And James says, lay aside all filthiness and overflow, 
of wickedness. Or in other words, to get rid of all moral filth that the evil is so prevalent. Hebrews 12.1, it says, throw off anything that hinders us, not just the things that are tripping us up, but the things that get us to the point where we get tripped up. You know, I remember Pastor Don Jackson would say to, um, you know, we, we have these guardrails on the highway, right? We have these guardrails, and what it does is it doesn't, you know, prevent you from making mistakes, but it prevents you from flying off the highway and getting hurt. You know, that's, that's kind of the way God is. You know, he wants to keep us, not these, these, this Bible and the rules that we have, they're not meant to, like, control our lives. They're meant to help guide us closer to him. So if you struggle with something, you know, if you, if you struggle with pornography, let's say, and, you're, and the thing that trips you up is being alone, go to bed. Just go to bed. Don't watch the fifth rerun of, of ESPN or some home makeover thing, whatever. Just go to bed. If your struggle is alcohol, don't go out with friends that also drink alcohol. We must be better. We must, we must have a clean life in order for God to work through us, in order for us to receive what he is saying. The second thing is we must be submissive to God's word. Uh, the word requires examination. Um, you know, when, when we read the Bible, uh, it's very easy and tempting to just flip through pages, right? It's very easy and tempting to just say, okay, I've read, I've read, I've read, great. I checked off that box. God died. Jesus died so much more for us than just, than just to check off boxes, right? Like, Jesus did not die for us just to read the Bible and be done with it or to go to church and be done with it or to listen to worship music and say, okay, cool, I'm going to do whatever I want the rest of the week. No, Jesus died for so much more than just checking off boxes. How well do you really know who God is? You know, when you, do you, do you guys have those one-year Bible plans, you know, where you read through the Bible in one year, but, it, you know, you have to just power read, and you have to just go through, you know, four chapters just to get through your, your checkbox, you know, that you actually read that? Or do you actually take time to, to really dig in deep of what God says? Do you really take time to, to understand what he's trying to say in the Scripture? You know, I would much rather spend, you know, an hour reading my Bible and getting through 10 verses than going through and reading four chapters. Because at that point, I'm just skimming over things. and I'm not really getting to know who Christ is. Now, if you are doing that, that's okay. Like, great. You're in the Word. You're doing so much better than a lot of people. But how well do you really get to know God through just skimming through things? The Word requires examination. We must dig in. We must know who God is through his scriptures. The word requires reflection. That's the next thing. And I got a fun little prop here because why not? I like props. This is a mirror. If there are those who do not know and cannot see, this is a mirror. And what a mirror is, is it is a perfect reflection of who you are. Right? Like you can look in this mirror, unless if you're like at a carnival, they have one of those weird things that make you do this. Like, this mirror is a perfect reflection of who you are. So you can look at it in the morning. If you have bedhead, then you are able to just, you know, fix that. Like, it shows you exactly who you are. And so when you are reading the Bible, and it tells you to, to, to you know, really dig into who you are or who he is through this word, 
Are you able to reflect on what you've read and apply it to your life? Are you able to look in that mirror every morning and say, you know, I've, I've really changed. I've really changed for who God is and what, what God wants me to be better in my life. Are you guys able to look in that mirror and see yourself the same from the previous day that you were? You know, when we look into this mirror, we should see more and more of Jesus and not us. We should see more and more of Jesus. Because it's, it's not about you. It's not about you. Christianity, I feel like it's been, and this may be harsh, I don't know, but I feel like Christianity has been so selfish for so long. I know in my life I've been selfish with it. It's time to stop being selfish about Christianity and show the world who we truly are and how we can impact the world. Because we have to change the world. But first, before we can change the world, we have to change who we are and look into the mirror and realize that we need to be different. You know, the, the, the last thing, really, that I have here is that the word requires a response. And you know what I love about that is it doesn't say the world wants a response. You know, the word, you know, asks for a response. No, God requires a response. And so when we go through this word and we, and we look at James telling us that we need to listen, you know, we need to uh, not merely listen to the word to deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who looks into the word and does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and forgets who he is. We have to stop expecting to, to be better without putting in the work. You know, if we can't look in the mirror and see God, then we need to really change who we are because the, the, the world deserves people like you. What you guys did for me all those years ago, the world deserves that for someone else. Like I said in the very beginning of this message, if we go and we do not know, if we go out into the world for how broken this world is and if we do not go into that world and want to change it, then we are doing a disservice to ourselves. And we are doing a disservice to God and what his commands are. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, one of the last things Jesus says to his disciples, go out and make disciples. And my favorite response in the very beginning of when Jesus asked his disciples to sit there with him and say, will you travel the world with me? My favorite thing is, and pretty much every single disciple, it says they immediately dropped what they were doing. They immediately dropped what they were doing and they chose to follow Jesus. What is holding you back from immediately dropping what you're doing to go pursue, to go change, and to go help save the world through Jesus? You know, I know it's been a lot of me talking down and saying you need to be this, you need to be that. I'm speaking to myself too. But the great thing is and the hope is is that we have a Savior who is behind us in every step of the way. Julie Jackson, her favorite thing to say was, go pray for a divine intervention. And what that means is go pray for somebody to say, God, I want this person to change their life. Bring them to me. You pray that God will bring someone to you. And so pray for that divine intervention that you will be able to go out into the world and speak love and truth into somebody. So we have learned that we must listen 
and, and hear what God is trying to tell us. We must open up our hearts. We must have the capacity. You know, we, we have to control our tongue to hear what God is actually saying. You know, we, we've learned that the word requires a response. And I've got a, a fun little uh, quote up here. It's very wordy. This quote is very, very wordy. Um, so just, just listen to it. Um, it's going to take me a second to get through it because I'm not a good reader. But anyways, um, there's an evil witch, and its effect on the Christian religion may be more destructive than communism, Romanism, and liberalism combined. It's the glaring disparity between theology and practice among professing Christians. So wide is this gulf between theory and practice in a church that an inquiring stranger who chances upon both would, uh, would scarcely dream that there is any relation between the two of them. An intelligent observer of our human scene who heard the Sunday morning message and later watched the Sunday afternoon conduct of those who heard it would conclude that he had been examining two distinct and contrary religions. And this is the big part. It appears to me that too many Christians want to enjoy the thrill of feeling right, but are not willing to endure the inconvenience of being right. So are you guys just enjoying the thrill of being right and coming to Sunday morning and, and hearing what, what I have to say, what previous pastors have to say, and just being okay with that? Or do you guys want to be challenged to be different? You guys want to be challenged to go out and be inconvenient to the world because I'm telling you, from my experience of what you guys did for me, it feels great that you guys were inconvenient in my life and wanting me to change to be better. So please, go, and go be inconvenient to somebody else that needs to know who Jesus is. So change your life with the word. Get into the word. Examine what it says. And go out and make an impact in someone's life because, man, that is the greatest thing that we can do.